Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. in West Virginia and want more progressive senators in Arizona, go ahead, primary them and see how that works out for you. They're probably not going to get them. They probably need to start winning other swing states like Florida, uh, Wisconsin and states like that. So they don't have to ever worry about these two votes again. Yeah, good luck finding a Democrat who's going to beat Joe Manchin in, in West Virginia. He's the only Democrat. Never happened. Uh, he's the only Democrat who win in that state is the, certainly the widely held belief. But you're right. It's other states. And, and that's one of the under overlooked storylines of sort of the trouble that the administration has had trying to get its, its agenda through the Senate is how close the Democrats came to winning a couple other Senate seats and how bad candidates fell apart. Like, say, in, for instance, in North Carolina, that if they had put someone better there, they could have added to their margins and their for not be uh, at times almost held hostage uh, by these two senators from West Virginia and Arizona. That's the that, see they're not they're not advocating for their their constituents. They're not upholding standards and practices. They're holding hostage the Democratic Party. That's MSNBC's Morning Joe. That wasn't actually Joe in that one. That was somebody commenting. But the point remains. This is how we see it. We have just learned that the Arizona Democratic Party has held Senator Sinema in contempt. And the Wyoming Republican Party has held Liz Cheney in contempt. This is what they do. What does any of it matter? However, if we were to put them together or do a side-by-side comparison, we would learn that Senator Sinema is the one who is engaged in a conversation of standards and actually upholding a rule of law. And Liz Cheney is far, far from it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it is so good to be with you. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. We will be getting into what's going on in Ukraine with the United States? Will the U.S. be putting 5,000 soldiers into Eastern Europe? Is Russia about to engage and invade Ukraine? The United Kingdom says that they have already been searching for a leader that they can replace the Ukrainian leadership with. They already have found somebody. The Russians are saying this is absolutely not true. And then they go, so I don't know if they're telling the truth. Joe Biden took us out of Afghanistan and left Americans to die only to put us into another war? And by the way, should the United States be involved here? Should the United States be engaged in something like this? It's a conversation that we have to have. Chuck Todd asking the question of Secretary Blinken, Secretary of State on NBC. Uh, The... The diplomacy, the the consistent calls for meetings right now that the Russians are doing, uh, do you think they're genuine about diplomacy or do you think they're just essentially playing out the calendar here um, because they he's not going to upset Xi in the Olympics and essentially we're making it look more legitimate by negotiating? Are you worried that he's playing us a little bit? 
Look, it's certain, it, it is certainly possible that uh, the diplomacy that Russia is engaged in uh, is simply going through the motions and it won't affect their ultimate decision about whether to invade or in some other way intervene or not in Ukraine. It is absolutely always possible that Russia is just putting on a show. I mean, that's always possible regardless of who uh, is president. However, what is not always happening is the level of opening that this administration has given to uh, Vladimir Putin. Meanwhile, you have Boris Johnson, Prime Minister of the UK, making comparisons to Chechnya. Also need to get over the message that invading Ukraine from a, from a Russian perspective is going to be a painful, violent, and bloody business. And I think it's very important that people in Russia understand that this could be a new Chechnya. And David, so you the, have the new the reporting of the UK intel. Sorry, right there. The argument being made from Boris Johnson is about the idea that this is going to be harmful to Russia. The United Kingdom has been sending arms and armaments to Ukraine for days now. There is some, it's, it's pretty incredible. It's this, you know how you can, you can show where the flights are, you can follow the flight paths to this, that, and the other. It's been showing the C-17s that have been taking off and landing in Ukraine and going back to London, restocking, heading back over, restocking, heading back over. UK is not taking this lightly. They're preparing for a war, or at least to help the Ukrainians deal with war. The answer is 5,000 troops under the NATO flag to do what? We'll get into that with retired Army Major Mike Lyons in a little bit. We're also going to be getting into Biden's $15 an hour nonsense. But the NFL had itself a weekend that I think may have very well saved the season in terms of ratings for the NFL. We'll break it down coming up. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. Three out of four NFL games this wild card weekend. Actually, it, was a, it wasn't a wild card weekend. It was a playoff weekend. We're determined by three points. The fourth game took overtime. And while people still pay attention to the NFL, no matter how wokey woke they get, less people have been paying attention overall. But did they just actually save themselves? Did they create an opportunity for a Super Bowl that people actually want to watch, even if they get luxury. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Tony Katz today, let me bring in JMV. He is from 93.5, 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis. He hosts afternoons from 3 to 7 p.m., a, a watcher of the sports things. Let's first talk about this weekend. I mean, pick a game, any game. We'll get to the Chiefs-Bills last. Um Aaron Rodgers can't pull it out. Tom Brady can't pull it out. The Titans that were destructive all season long, even without Derrick Henry, can't pull it out. 
all losing by a field goal. What in the world happened? Tony Cash, it was a fantastic football weekend. And we'll start with Cincinnati, given the fact that last week they won their first playoff game in 31 years. I mean, going all the way back to where you were, I don't know, nine years old or something, uh, the last time that they'd won a playoff game. That was a big deal. And then they come back, go down to Nashville, take on the one seed, Tennessee, and get the job done down there. I think overall, though, uh, beyond just the whole overtime changing of the rules scenario we'll talk about in a second is this. Um, you got a changing of the guard. I think you're seeing it. I mean, Joe Burrow stepping up in the fashion in which he is, Jamar Chase, you know, Joe Mixon. You've got the uh, three amigos, if you will, offensively right there that should be in Cincinnati for years to come. You see the changing of the guard maybe in Green Bay with whatever may or may not happen with Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay for the future. And then you got decisions to be made down in Tampa Bay with the Super Bowl champions of a year ago. Is Tom Brady going to play again? Is Rob Gronkowski going to be back? Got so many questions going on down there as well. You've got a changing of the guard. And then in L.A., where the Super Bowl is going to be, like the first time in, I don't know, 50-some years a year ago, Tampa won the Super Bowl in their home stadium. Well, now you have L.A. with the NFC title game and their place with the opportunity to go back-to-back in playing in their own stadium in the Super Bowl. And that's a team, Tony, that went for broke. I mean, they completely went for it. They mortgaged absolutely everything for the future for this year, bringing in Matthew Stafford, having Vaughn Miller midseason brought over as well. Odell Beckham Jr. they took a chance on. He's paid off big, and thus it's paid off big for them as well. So those are just a few of the storylines which I think are essential to how you're viewing this entirety of the NFL postseason at this point, Tony. Well, I think one of the things that that people point to, and certainly I'm one of these people, is that the NFL, you can argue with certain levels of fan base, did damage that fan base as everybody wanted to engage in some kind of social messaging as opposed to being able to just watch football and enjoy the game. There is no doubt that this weekend on four different games gave people something to enjoy. If you're the NFL looking at this, is this, I mean, we've seen in Super Bowl's past, most recent, they've lowered rates on those Super Bowl prices for, for ads for TV because it's just not there and the audience hasn't been there. Can this weekend change things around for the NFL? Well, I haven't seen the overnights, but I'm assuming the overnights were pretty huge, especially with that Buffalo-Kansas City game last night and, you know, the entirety of the weekend. I think normally those numbers drop somewhere in the neighborhood, Tony, mid-afternoon, late afternoon. So, you know, we'll see the type of effect that it had. But I don't think there's any question about it. And, and frankly, for the sports lovers out there who don't necessarily dive deeply into the whole political angle that you're talking about right there, I mean, this is kind of just what the doctor ordered. I mean, this is something that, you know, you dive deeply into even if you're an out-of-market viewer, right? I mean, people around here don't get the opportunity to watch the Colts here in Indianapolis because they didn't even make the postseason. But you do find a great deal of interest in the folks here in Indy about what's going on in Cincinnati for a variety of reasons, because it's close proximity, but also because it has been a long struggling franchise that finally looks to be absolutely turning it around and giving it a self chance coming up next weekend. So, yeah, I mean, there there are a great deal of storylines. I think those storylines are going to reap the benefits. At least I think the ratings will reap the benefits of the storylines. Once we see those numbers released a little bit later on this afternoon, because it was a hellaciously compelling weekend to say the least. Talking to JMV from 93.5-1075 The Fan in Indianapolis. Let's break down what in the bloody world happened in this Chiefs-Bills game. First, those last two minutes, and then 
are we going to be rethinking overtime rules? Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. Here's what happens, though. The, the teams that want to rethink it, like Kansas City, uh, kind of, how do they say it? You, you, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Uh, they kind of died by uh, a couple of years ago, with, uh, and, and they went to the table of wanting to change it, and it didn't end up getting changed. And, you know, I don't know if there's a perfect solution here, but normally when you have a game of that magnitude and it's back and forth and you don't want to see it end, if there is a way that it's going to end, that is the last way you want to do it. I mean, if there's anything in proximity of flipping a coin and having, you know, just the overall chance take over, uh, for the winner to get the ball first, march down the field and score. Nobody wants to be a part of that. But normally what happens is if you're the team that kind of dies by it, like Buffalo did last night, uh, you will rethink that further down the road because these circumstances have, I guess, customarily in the past changed, right? I mean, you don't always end up getting it like this. Kansas City is a perfect example of that a couple of years ago when, when obviously they wanted to change, the rules didn't get changed, and then last night they were benefits of, of but that. Let's, but let's break down what it is change. that we're talking about. We're discussing the fact that in overtime, if you get the ball and you score a field goal, the other team has a chance to either score a fee, uh, field goal, get a field goal, or score a touchdown to beat you. But if you score a touchdown – it's over, and the Chiefs yeah. were able to, in overtime, win the coin toss, score a touchdown, never mind Buffalo's poorest defense at that moment, and there was no opportunity for Buffalo to even tie it up to keep it going, and that's what has people up in arms saying, you got to have a change, and the teams, forget the teams, it's what the fans want, I think, in this case. And there's no doubt, Tony, and naturally, you want to see both teams get a look offensively. I mean, at some point, you are going to have to have that, uh, and I think everybody will be satisfied at least until a moment to where all of a sudden again things change and, you know, maybe somebody ends up, you know, getting hurt by virtue of that. But I think both offenses have to touch it uh, in some form or fashion. And I wouldn't be surprised if this might be that signature moment to where the the league ends up and their, their competition committee ends up maybe changing this further down the road because, you know, much like that example I gave of Kansas City a couple of years ago, uh, this is in much bigger scope as far as what everybody's talking about right now. And frankly, this conversation, Tony, probably won't go away until the AFC title game of next week. So it's got a lot of legs to it. And normally if it has a lot of legs to it, normally that does spark a level of change. And we'll see if the NFL goes that direction. So now let's, uh, let, let, let's break it down. Let, let's yeah. do the thing. And b- before we do, we should note, because producer Ari is is a Wisconsin guy, can we clearly say that while Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback, he's clearly not a championship-level quarterback? Can we just put an end to this? Oh, You don't think he's a championship-level quarterback? Yeah, Tony, that's the dumbest thing you ever said. Um, first of all, producer Ari, Tell don't me, you really? worry. I'll, I'll, make you, I'll say something that will make you say that tomorrow. Secondly, uh, he it, it, won, won Super Bowl. A continual okay. failure in the playoffs. Why can't it be said? No, because he's not. He is. He is a championship level. You said one Super Bowl, right? Is that a championship? That is indeed is a championship. JMV's okay. a smart guy. I was curious. I was curious. Right. Why, I mean, listen, hey, Tony, there's a similar argument that can happen around here with the Peyton Manning era. Oh, well, the Colts only won one. You know what it was like. Well, you didn't because you weren't around here. But when they won Super Bowl Forty One, nobody gave a fat crap, you know, whether or not they were going to win again or all the hits and misses that happened prior to that. I mean, Peyton Manning and this team were a championship team. 
Baker and Rodgers, no matter what, even with you know how bad he's been. And Ari, I guess, would know this if he knows the history of the Packers. Not good in the postseason against the 49ers happened again yesterday. But, yeah, he is a championship-level quarterback and may be available coming up in the offseason. We shall see. But, yeah, there's no doubt he's a championship So my championship quarterbacks include Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, uh-huh. and Trent Dilfer. I love it. I, <laughs> oh my I, I absolutely love it. That, that is so ridiculous. Hey, Tony, that's playing the game, man. I mean, Dilfer was benefiting from a defense in Baltimore. I mean, you can have that, too. He's won a championship, but he also didn't par lay his numbers into also For the record? championship. He's For the record, I love Dilfer because he totally admits that. I had Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. All I had to do was not screw up too bad. Like, yes, exactly. I appreciate a dude who says that. Now let's do it. We have got ourselves the Los Angeles Rams against the San Francisco 49ers for the NFC Championship in L.A. Who's winning this thing? Um, I think the Rams end up getting it done. I I cannot believe, and, and again, Ari, who is a Packer fan, probably can't either, just how the Niners got through that game at Lambeau on Saturday night, too, with Jimmy Garoppolo as quarterback. It is amazing. And really what they did is they, at the end of the game, put pressure. They ultimately put pressure on on Aaron Rodgers and um, ended up taking advantage of some situations. I don't know if those similar situations will occur for San Fran at SoFi coming up uh, this weekend. I, I, I don't. I mean, their defense is really good. They can certainly get after the quarterback. But the Rams, they've been built for this. They have been built – through the lens of, all right, we got to take care of every single spot with virtually a really high-level, high-dollar player. They have done that, and it seems like most of these guys are paying off big right now, and certainly including Matthew Stafford, who spent so much time in Detroit. The Rams mortgage the future. Bring him in. Bring in Odell Beckham Jr. You have the best wide receiver in the NFL in Cooper Cup. I think that is going to be enough, but I will say this. Mistakes. And they almost proverbially screwed the pooch yesterday, did they not, in Tampa, with those ridiculous late-game mistakes? Yep, four turnovers. I think they cruise. But if they don't, then you might have a game of it. 30 seconds or less. 30 seconds or less. You've got Cincinnati. You've got Kansas City in KC. Yeah, KC. Too much KC, too much offense. Cincinnati's had a great year. They will play off of this. But their run ends this weekend in Kansas City, Tony. There it is, JMV from 93.5, The Fan in Indianapolis. JMV 1070 on the Twitter box is where you can find him, man. I always uh, appreciate you, and uh, I, I look forward to hearing all the, uh, the Aaron Rodgers hate that I'm going to get and the other side of it. Tony, you're absolutely right, because people love to have an opinion on Aaron Rodgers. Love it. Now, I wonder if Aaron Rodgers becomes a free agent does yes. he become a target of the Indianapolis Colts? He is not coming to Indianapolis. I'm just, just saying. I'm telling you, he's not I don't know. coming. I don't know. People, people are going to rumor mill, man. Sure. Meanwhile, Russia is imminent in an invasion in Ukraine. We break it down next. Keep it here. I'm Tony Counts. Call it a rebound if you want. The Dow is only down 683. NASDAQ is down 340. It was down 1,100 at one moment. Bitcoin had gone under 33,000, now at 36,188. Me, I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. But all eyes are on Ukraine. And will we see an invasion from Russia? 
It has been teased. It has been talked about. We've got troops that have amassed on the southern border, troops from Russia in Belarus. That means they can hit from the north and the south, bringing themselves to Kiev and splitting the country in half. The United Kingdom has been sending support to Ukraine in terms of weaponry. Those planes have been going nonstop. The United States, all they did was open the door for minor incursions, and now Joe Biden is considering 5,000 troops as part of a NATO force in Eastern Europe. Major Mike Lyons joins us right now, retired U.S. Army radio military analyst. And you've been watching, you've been studying, we've been talking about what could be happening here. Let's get to the first things first. Is it the feel of the military community and others that this is something that's imminent? Is this something that's going to wait until after the Olympics as to not bother Xi Jinping in Beijing? Or is this just a lot of bluster just to create a scene? I I think, Tony, the military thinks within the next 30 days. And what I say by that for is because uh, the ground needs to freeze up a little bit more to allow those tanks to roll in. The worst possible thing tactically is to move large um, equipment and vehicles, in particular 60-ton tanks, into that region and have them sink or get mired in, in, uh, in places where they can't go if they want to do any kind of, let's say, blitzkrieg operation. So I do think that we're probably two to three weeks away before that decision gets made. But, but you know, that expression of you can do everything with bayonets except sit on them is, comes to fruition here in that uh, he's going to do something with that military that he's gathered along those forces. So when you say he's going to do something, the purpose, of course, is the idea that he is going to be able to grab part of of Ukraine. He's going to be able to get land. Is this about people? Is this about natural resources? Is this just about asserting dominance to keep others at bay and maybe create financial opportunity? What's the purpose of the incursion? A little, a little bit of all of that. I think um, a lot of it is to restore what he thinks is uh, rightfully part of Russia, and that's Ukraine. He doesn't consider Ukraine even a real country. He just thinks it's, uh, you know, it's a really always been part of Russia. You know, if you study Vladimir Putin, if you, you know, he looks at anniversaries are so important and these kinds of things. Um, from a historical perspective, and I think, um, you know, he starts in the southern part where Crimea is, you know, the, the, you go to the north in the Donbass region there, it's not currently controlled by Russia, but that's probably what he goes for first, and that that gives him that true land bridge to Crimea, and then allows him to expand uh, further into the Black Sea, where um, the, the uh, Russian Navy continues to hold exercises there, as well as in, in the Mediterranean right now. So I think it's been it's been a while since you know he's been planning this uh, probably for a couple of years, and and I think the window is going to close from a political perspective in the United States if Joe if Joe Biden is not the president or, or if he's weak in power by the end of next year. So I think given all what history has talked to us about Vladimir Putin and what he said in the past about about Ukraine and about Georgia, this is really just a fait accompli. It's just a matter of when. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired U.S. Army, M-A-J, Mike Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S, on the Twitter box. This idea of this is Russian land, this is about understanding Vladimir Putin as a person and understanding the things that move and drive him, his underpinnings. We've Mm -hmm. had these conversations before on the show that this is somebody who, a former KGB who took the fall of the Soviet Union very, very personally. 
and has long been discussing the importance of coming back home, of creating more Russian babies, of building up uh, Mother Russia uh, to to its greatness, to to where it should be. He takes it as a personal failing. Mm-hmm. What the, the 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 fall of communism? Now you can tell me if I'm right or wrong on that. Based on my research, I I feel pretty confident in that. But when you take a look at a guy wanting to take land, like for example the Ukraine, you have people who there. You've got Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, Moldova, all there on the border, saying this is not something we can tolerate. Certainly, the rest of Europe doesn't want to. They're gonna have to respond. The question is outside of the United Kingdom. Are they willing to respond? I, I think those NATO countries, right, that are they're there, Latvia and Estonia and the ones to the north, too, uh, Poland in particular, especially if Belarus decides to, as we've talked about, continues to show that they have um, potential. Um, but in the ones in, in more of the Central Europe region, I, I just don't think they will respond. I think they'll talk a big game now. NATO, other NATO countries are starting to move kind of one-off deals. If you're seeing this, I mean, this is really showing the fission and the cracks that exist in the NATO alliance. First of all, the Germans are not even playing. The Germans refuse to send any kind of combat equipment. Um, they're sending, I believe, hospital tents uh, to uh, to Kiev to try to, you know, to try to stay there in the game. But for all practical purposes, the Germans still want to figure out how to make a deal with the Russians because they have to buy Russian energy from them. So, you know, the, the way this is going to shake down is, you know, NATO is going to be fractured here, um, and it falls right into what Vladimir Putin wants to do at the same time. Because, you know, we're talking about sending 5,000 troops, I, and I saw that yesterday. With I, I read something about we're going to potentially send 50,000 troops, which, again, is beyond the pale of believable at this point. Yeah, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. I have not read anything, sir. That says 50,000 troops. I have seen 5,000 troops that the United States is considering, Biden is considering putting 5,000 troops in Europe. For the guy who pulled us out of Afghanistan to end the forever wars, this doesn't seem like a good look. No, no, that's the Pentagon plans. They've they've got 10x. They want to be able to to bump that up if they have to, which is basically two divisions. Again, they wouldn't get there on time. There's not. It's not possible to send 50,000 troops uh, to the region, to Poland, or to there. You know, we had 300,000 troops back there in the 90s. We took them all out, and that's that's really what I think is going to end up. This that's going to what's just going to show. This could really be the beginning of America's you know true military presence in Europe, aside from our tactical nukes and, and, and nuclear weapons and capabilities that we have there in, in NATO. But this is going to this is a ground war, and we're not going to participate in it whatsoever. And none of those NATO countries have any kind of capability. And, for example, the Germans. The Germans should have had this capability to send tanks and to send armored vehicles there to help the Ukrainians. They're unwilling to do that. I, I, I started searching, and yes, uh, to, to, to your point, uh, they do discuss the idea that if they had to bump it up, they could bump it up. But that would be the United States now getting into a full-on war as opposed to just a couple of troops for the peacekeeping. This isn't peacekeeping, though. If yeah. you send 5,000 troops to Eastern Europe under the NATO flag, if if Russia does indeed invade, I assume that NATO, even though Ukraine is not a NATO nation— NATO's going to make a move. We're sending them there not to be able to to advance them? This is all just going to keep Putin at bay? Does Putin believe that that's even possible? 
Yeah, no, they're not going to advance, and NATO won't make a move. I think that uh, contrary to the the bayonet comment I made before about that, that applies to 100,000 troops. We could send 5,000 troops there, and they could sit in their bayonets, and there's nothing for them to do. Because the bottom line is they're not going to have any kind of tactical impact on the ground um, with the fact that the other side has got such a numerical advantage. Um, So, again, it's just more virtue signaling on some level that uh, shows some level of support in NATO. The other thing too is NATO's military structure. You know, how's you know NATO hasn't fought a war together since I don't know, Second World War. We haven't really we haven't really deployed that level of military structure in the past before. And um no, I don't think Vladimir Putin would be dumb enough though to attack the NATO country regardless whether it was the smallest one on the map. Um he wouldn't be dumb enough to do that cuz then that would trigger a response, Article 5 response, and then, then, then who knows? Then we'll have to see what happens. I still, I'm still I'm not sure Joe, Joe Biden is going to get all lathered up about sending U.S. troops to Europe to fight this, given, you know, given what, what's going on in the world. What do you mean lathered up? I approve that. I don't think he's going to. He's going to. He's going to look to. He's going to look to withdraw. We've got to figure out a way to get out of this now, as opposed to send it in the other direction. Even if, even if they do attack, uh, even if a, a small NATO country gets attacked, because the bottom line is, you don't see uh, the Germans, you don't see the uh, the French and the others, the British. The British actually have been sending supplies going around Germany. I'm sure you saw those uh, airplane flights. They've been going around Germany. Um, but I just don't think that he he's got enough military people around him to say that we couldn't. Wind, we can wind this fist up fast enough in order to stop anything from happening. Before I, before I let you go, um, let's dig into Putin desires versus opportunity. Mm-hmm. The desire is to grab some land. The desire is to slowly but surely, you talk about having this plan for four years or five years. We sometimes misunderstand the level of patience uh, the, these nations uh, do have. So mm-hmm. figure if they were to be able to make a grab in 2022, how much of the nation do they have in 2032? And that's just the way it is, right? And this is all we're going to take, and, and, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That could be a... a a way of Putin thinking, and people might think that's a way of Putin thinking. But if you're Vladimir Putin, you recognize the weakness of of Joe Biden, which is real, and you recognize the weakness of his vice president, which is very real, and you see that that America has to deal with this for three more years. Do you look and say, you know what, this is a good opportunity. Let's get what we can. Do does this create? Does the Biden administration, especially with their minor incursion comment? Do have they created more of an opportunity? Will Putin take this opportunity to create more of an opportunity to grab what he can? Yeah, and that, that gives him that southern eastern portion of Ukraine where the the civilians there are have um, they're on the side of the Russians. They speak Russian as part of their language, and um, they they're sympathetic. Uh, they have sympathy towards what's going on in the Russia situation, and so I I think that that's really what he wants this to be. Now, in the past, he'd controlled a lot of Ukraine without having to occupy it, but for whatever reason, the calculus is now that he thinks he's got to go in there and occupy. A lot of it probably has to do with that that land bridge. Um, you know, the Crimea is a peninsula that sits offside and fundamentally has a border with Ukraine. He wants to own that border. He wants to own all that region there. And then he eventually thinks he absorbs the rest of the country. He, he does have time in his side. He always, does that. he always feels he's got that. Um, but I think that if you look at what's, what he's assembled now, he, the current situation of the world 
what do you think he can get away with? I think this is the time for him to get away with uh, with this, and it'll, it'll put him on the path to where he thinks restores Russia to its national place in the world. Major Mike Lyons, retired U.S. Army. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us, a radio military analyst. Thank you, as always. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. the economy. I would note uh, that the market is up around 15% compared to when President Biden took office, uh, but our measure of success is really how real working families are doing, whether they are, have a little breathing room, whether they have a job that delivers some dignity and a paycheck that can support, they can support a family on, and we've seen a great deal of progress made on that front. Thank you. Who is she kidding? Schools in Virginia. Who is she kidding? That's Jen Psaki. That's the, the press briefing going on right now. The inflation has taken that over. People are quitting uh, their their jobs. Yes, the Biden administration is now saying $15 an hour for anybody working in a federal agency. That's our minimum. That You don't see people saying, my gosh, things are so much better. That isn't what they're saying and what they're feeling. Not at all and in any way. I'll share more tomorrow about Jen Psaki asking about being asked about masks and what's going on in Virginia. School districts saying, we don't plan on listening to the governor. We're going to say you wear a mask or you're suspended. Threatening students because these people don't have any science. It's pretty ugly. Meanwhile, the story of the day, the absolute story of the day, I could not make this up if my life depended on it. This out of the Daily Mail, staff at the University of Northampton, which is in the UK, have issued a trigger warning for the novel 1984 by George Orwell on the grounds that it contains explicit material which some students may find upsetting and offensive. insane George Orwell approves of this the book is supposed to show what's happening in this world where you're told what to read and read and told what to say and everything gets memory hold all the way down the line that's what it's about it's not even the most controversial George Orwell book you talking about Animal Farm? Ah, love Animal Farm, yes. But here we are watching how these people act and react to anything. They feel the same way about Ayn Rand. All of these people should have to read Ayn Rand, whether it's The Fountainhead or whether it's Atlas Shrugged. They should have to read these things. People have been discussing the dystopian nightmare for decades now. The comic Mort Saul passed away recently. One of the great comics in American history was doing routines and that was in the 60s with, with a chalkboard. He was Glenn Beck before his time. He had the chalkboard out. He's doing whole comedy routines. And at one moment, he's talking about capitalism. He's talking about money. And he turns to the audience, turns to the camera, and says, ask your parents about capitalism. It was great. 
This is 1962? And that's the line you ask your parents about capitalism. It was great. So people have noted for a long time we are on this descent. And you say to me, Tony, that was 1962. It's 2022. It's 60 years later. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. It's amazing how much money and how much wealth can get created when people are allowed to create and innovate. And it is amazing still how much has been stolen and kept on the sidelines by those politicos who think they know best. Do you realize how important now the fight is against those forces? A fight that's been going on for 60 years, and those losers still haven't stopped. They still think that capitalism is the problem. Not their socialism, not their Marxism, not their straight-up communism, not their disease thinking that has murdered millions of people, but capitalism. The only thing capitalism has murdered is your free time because you spend a lot of it watching stupid cat videos on your phone. Hey. It's nonsense. But here it is. To put a warning on 1984 by George Orwell is everything. That is the full circle. And just how anti-intellectual these people are. Don't let them date your kids. Don't let them teach your kids. Don't hire these people. They're not worth it. I mean, if we're going to talk honestly about the thing. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, everything at TonyKatz.com. I'm Tony Katz. Keep it right here.